You're listening to Roar, Voices from Localization Insiders, Series Speed Bumps. I'm Summer. I study translation and localization management. We are a student-led podcast designed to address speed bumps or challenges that exist in the localization industry. We speak with industry students, professionals, and educators to learn about these speed bumps and discuss some possible solutions. Today, we're gonna introduce you, Julian. Hello, Summer. Hey, Julian. Could you please tell us more about yourself and your current role at、uh, Internest? Sure, Summer. Thank you for the introduction. It's an absolute pleasure to be here on Raw.、Um, first, a little bit about myself. My name is Julian. I am the founder and CEO of Internest Inc. Internest Inc. is a Silicon Valley startup with a hybrid business model. Part of it is traditional translation and publishing. We have a group of translators with years of experience. They translate books from Chinese to English, as a way to share Chinese culture with the outside world. In fact, we have been working on a book recently on how to combat the virus. It is expected to launch on Amazon in the second half of April. And the other half is kind of high tech. It's、um, it's also closely related to the translation business. It is.、Um, NLP, natural language processing, and AI writing and translation. Basically, it is a prediction model to generate full text based on input.、Uh, or you can imagine it be something like、um, Gmail auto complete feature you see when you write Gmails. AI can do amazing things nowadays. There is this studio called Botnik, who has wrote a script to analyze. All the seven books of Harry Potter and detect the speech pattern, and eventually it developed a semantic model to continue the story. So they created a three-page chapter titled Harry Potter and the Portrait of What Looked Like a Large Pile of Ash. The name doesn't make much sense, but the story is surprisingly readable. So here at Internet Inc, we have a group of Engineers and developers who are trying to do something sort of similar and eventually productize on the idea. Before starting my own company, I was with Netflix for three years. From 2017 to 2018, I was a solutions program manager with the globalization team.、Um, so all I do is to interact with our vendors and our in-house language managers to understand their need, collect their Need and build into the pipeline, and work with engineers to de- develop an in-house translation platform that brings everything into a streamlined workflow. Prior to that, I was the Chinese language manager from 2015 to 2017.、Um, I was managing a small team of freelance translators and vendor translators. I was responsible for. Everything into simplified Chinese, including Singapore and all the overseas Chinese market. It was pretty fun. I I was handling、um, title localization, synopsis, and then episodic titles, cover arts, everything. It's so much fun to you know go to the office and see movie stars coming into the office just say hi to you. 
And then、um, a little earlier, I was with Amazon. I was the Kindle localization specialist. So I was leading a translation team, and then we did the initial translation work for Kindle. In twenty thirteen, we had a successful launch in China. So that that's a that's a very long and windy introduction, but、uh, yeah, that that's what how I started. Wow, that's so fascinating! Thank you so much for sharing your、uh, experience in the localization industry with us. And yeah, I have another question about、um, yourself. So, what kind of languages you speak, and、um, how you can become? Uh, Julian, today, and what's your kind of education background or living background、um, before you have all those amazing experience in the localization industry? It's very interesting、um, because I am also a Miss alumni. I graduated in twenty twelve with a degree in conference interpretation. So back then, I would say the localization industry isn't as developed and specialized as it is nowadays. So. Students from other majors can still have a chance or have a go in this localization world. I was lucky enough to get hired into a look position.、Um, I grew up in Guangzhou, which is a bilingual area, so I speak Mandarin and Cantonese. So in China, you know, Cantonese is considered just a dialect, but in the U.S., it's actually a, a, a different language. So I think I can say I am trilingual: so English, Mandarin, and Cantonese. It is a very interesting experience growing up in a bilingual area where you have to constantly switch language code and talk to different people in different languages.、Um, so that's what got me interested in localization. Back then, I was planning to be a simultaneous interpreter because we know that Miss has the best、um, simul education here. But、um, when I was approaching graduation. The focus has switched because everybody was trying to get a full-time job to get their H-1B to stay in the U.S., and I was swayed into this、um, job-oriented thinking. So that's that's what you know changed my whole career path. Looking back, it, it was fun, so I wouldn't regret it. Yeah, that's interesting. So.、Um... You know the full time job is the only reason why you want to switch to、uh, localization industry, or there's some other reasons that you want to switch your career. Right. So that was the major motivation. But I I was a big fan of translation, so I translated thirty books. Wow,、um, that's amazing. Yeah. So I I still keep translation as a hobby. Um, so even before working in the local industry, I I was an avid translator. I translated the Diary of a Wimpy Kid series, and then later Revival by Stephen King. So it is good to find the perfect combination between my personal interest, passion, and actual work. But、um, as it is with all kinds of jobs, when you work something, when you do something as a job, then things started to become. Boring, mundane, and you have to deal with politics and all other challenges.、Uh, but I would say it's been a fun ride.、Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Thank you for sharing that.、Um, now we want to ask you about、uh, speed bump or challenges you have seen in the localization industry. Really difficult situation you have experienced when you work for Netflix or Amazon or your current role at、um, Internet. It is very interesting that you are bringing up this word speed bump. You know, in the workplace, we call those stupid colleagues a speed bump. 
I'm joking, joking, of course. <laughs> so there are all kinds of issues you may encounter in a company where localization is needed. For example, you need to find the right translator. You are expecting a certain quality that you want them to to hit, and of course, there's the due date and deadline.、Um, for me, in my years of、um, experience in the industry, I feel like there's one thing that is particularly important, and that is also a speed bump I have encountered. That is.、Um, The mindset. So people treat product localization as an afterthought. They always spend long time designing the product, finish every detail, and then they come to you and say, "Hey, we have everything ready. Could you get this done? Get this translated in two days?" It's never that simple, because to have a good quality translation or lo- localized product, we need time to really. Familiarize ourselves with the product to understand where the text is coming from, and to have the time to do full testing, including functional and linguistic testing.、Um, sometimes, the conflicts between product and localization can be exacerbated towards the end of the product lifecycle. I mean,、um, right before launch. For example, if the product team is expecting a Really short timeline, and then they send you something to translate. It is usually never、um, just text. It's usually a package, and you have to have your engineer to look engineer to to basically unpackage that, and then extract the translatables and send them to translators. And we call it.、Um, and, and when they have the translated text back, they will ingest the text back into the package. We call it.、Um, CI like counter ingestion something like that. So if you have a placeholder that is translated incorrectly, for instance, it, it can be a、uh, percentage sign and then S that indicates this is a string, and then there is this percentage sign and then a dollar symbol to indicate something else. So this is the kind of、um, placeholder wildcat thing. But if if there is this symbol. In the source text, but there is a missing of such symbol in the target. Then this will break the whole package. And then if if a user is launching an app,、um, and then when they hit the button, and that button triggers that target string, this will crash the whole program. And usually those the product team will blame us for missing those small details. So this is where you can see a small mistake on localization can cause the whole app to fail. But you can't just blame us because you didn't give us enough time. We do need the time to do functional and linguistic tests, right? So that's why I think localization evangelization is extremely important, and that's what I've been doing for years. So I always, so when I'm leading a project, I always try to spend time to talk to the developers, the designers, make sure that we are on the same page, meaning that we have to build the localization need and timeline. Into the whole process, and ensure that enough thoughts and resources are given to localization. It's not something that can be rushed. If you have to find time, try to cut it somewhere else. But do make sure that we have enough time to do the localization properly. So I would advise any company who is trying to get localized into other countries and other markets, always have a look team summoned. Have a look engineer to look at the code base, 
because it is not easy to just transform some um, U.S. centric code base into something that is localizable. Internationalization takes time and preparation. Thank you for sharing that with us, and I totally agree with you.、Um, to have a really good,、um, you know, internationalized product, we not only need time,、uh, we also need resources.、Uh, for example,、uh, we learned this from school PPT、um, program,、uh, which is people, process, and tool. Well, that's so amazing that you almost cover my next question, which is what are some solutions to these speed bumps? And I think you kind of got your point. Right, localization, evangelization, is very important. I would say this is the ultimate solution to a lot of problems. As always, people is more important than things. Look, communication is the best.、Um, Solution to anything, and if there's anything I would like to add, that would be leave the work to the experts. I've seen companies, especially startups, blindly hire translators without thinking about the direction where the company is going. You can't just hire a couple of translators to do the job and then realize that there is not much work left to be done by them. You have to think about what languages you are planning to do, and. Figure out the regional translation or localization process. Do you want to group countries and assign them to one translator or one manager, or do you want to hire individual translators for all the regions you are going to cover? Of course, you have to do the planning before just you know making the whimsical decision to just hire people. So yeah, always plan ahead and build localization into the whole process. I hope this has been helpful. Yeah, that's really helpful. And thank you, Julian, for coming in and discussing your experience and the、um, speed bump with us today. Thank you, Summer. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And that's all the time we had for today. Thank you for listening to our episode of Speed Bumps. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Roar Voices from Localization Insiders series. Speed bumps. Music courtesy of MusicJunkies.com. We thank the translation and localization management students from the Middlebury Institute of International Studies for producing this episode.